Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Please do keep your Bibles open. Uh, If you haven't got one in front of you, you're going to need one. So um, uh, do find John chapter 17 on your phone or uh, in a Bible in the seat in front of you. Um, I have really enjoyed this week, I don't know about you, um, watching TV and just seeing lots of different people, different walks of life, sharing their stories of meeting the Queen. It's been a privilege, hasn't it? And um, to, to hear some of those stories. And my, my favourite, I think, uh, and some of you may have heard this, was Theresa May's story. Did you hear this in the House of Commons? Um, she was talking about a time when she'd been invited up to Balmoral in Scotland as the Prime Minister to a picnic with the Queen. And uh, as we've sort of understood in the last few weeks, the way these things worked was that everyone got involved. So... The Queen would be washing up sometimes, and Prince Philip was cooking, and um, the Prime Minister, Theresa May at the time, was asked to to carry things to the table, and so she walked towards the picnic table um, with with a cheese on on a plate, and as she was just about to reach the table, that awful moment happened where the plate dipped and the cheese slowly fell off the plate onto the floor. And uh, Theresa May described this moment. She said, um, I had a split-second decision to make. I mean, we've all been there, not necessarily in Balmoral, but we've all been there when you must have done this too. You drop something on the floor and you're thinking, who's watching? Shall I? Shan't I? How soiled is it? Um, She picked up the cheese. She, in her own words, dusted it off, (laughs) popped it back on the plate and on the table. She then turned round, and to her absolute horror, who was staring at her but Her Royal Majesty the Queen, who, out of total love and encouragement, apparently just gave this beautiful, warm smile as she beamed back at the Prime Minister. And importantly, the cheese remained on the table. But it's in those moments as we've heard different stories about Her Majesty, that we have got a little window into her her life, her heart, her character. And here in John's Gospel, we have this even greater privilege of listening in to a conversation between Jesus and his Father. It is a heartfelt cry, a prayer. And through it, we we see Jesus' heart. And this prayer, I want to suggest to you, has a thread that runs right through the middle of it. And it is about mission. It's about God's mission to reconcile the world to himself, to bring back his people to himself. And you and I have a key part in this mission. And Jesus is, amongst other things here, praying for you and for me and for the whole church. So let's pray now. I'm going to lead us in a short prayer, and then we're going to have a look at this prayer, the whole thing, and think about what does this mean for you and for me. So let's pray now. Father, I want to thank you that we have the great privilege of 
having this prayer written in Scripture that reveals your heart for your church, your disciples. And Lord, as we look at it now, Jesus, would you speak to us and reveal to us those areas into which you are calling us? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you're new to Greyfriars, you are very welcome. And uh, you may not have heard this yet, but our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. It's, it's all about mission. It's about the people you're at school with and the people that you work with. It's about the, the people you live alongside, your families, your friends, your neighbours. And about us together helping bring all these people back to God, to reconcile God's people to him. And when this happens, when people encounter Jesus, what we know is that their lives transform. That would have been the same for you and for me as we were saved and came to Christ. And then as lives are transformed, society is transformed and cities are transformed. But it's all about mission. And Jesus here in John 17 is about to fulfill his own mission. He's with his disciples. They're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. If you flick forward to um, chapter 18, you'll see that Jesus is about to be arrested. And so they stop. We don't know exactly where, but it's probably just somewhere outside of Jerusalem, because in chapter 18, we then read that they cross the Kidron Valley. So they're, they're just outside the, the boundaries of Jerusalem, the city. And Jesus, as we read in verse 1 of chapter 17, looks up to heaven. And the Jewish tradition at the time would have been, he would have probably raised his arms up as well. And we read that he looks up and he calls out this prayer to God. And he would have called it out loud, hence John, the gospel writer, has put it down on paper for us. And so what we can see, and I've tried to sort of depict this in, in layers, is you'll see that there's three sections to this prayer. And the first one here on the screen is Jesus prays for his own mission. John 3.16 tells us what this mission is. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so Jesus' mission was to come to earth, to live and to die and to rise again, to take our sin on the cross, to forgive us, so that we can be righteous in the sight of God and be reconciled with our Heavenly Father. This is God's mission. And so standing with his arms open, his voice calling out to God, Jesus prays that hour has come. And by that, he's talking about his mission to go to the cross. Throughout the Gospel of John, we read about the hour. Jesus says the hour has not yet come. But here in this prayer, the hour has come. The moment for Jesus to go to the cross. And we read in verse 2, if you look at it in chapter 17, he his hour has come to give eternal life. And we go on to read that eternal life is about knowing God. But it's not a, a cerebral knowledge. It's not just an awareness of God. 
It's a, an intimacy, a relationship in the heart. It's about believing and trusting in Jesus as our saviour. And Jesus then prays about glory. Now, at Christmas time, um, if you've got your Bibles, flick back to John 1. At Christmas time, we'll often have this reading from John 1, and it's verse 14 at the beginning of John's Gospel. And it says this, The Word, and by that, it means Jesus, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, just before he goes to the cross in chapter 17, Jesus is praying that God would be glorified as Jesus goes to the cross. And Jesus is showing us that the way of Jesus is surrender and obedience, as we thought about last week, looking at John 15, that our lives would glorify God through everything that we do. So the first thing is, Jesus is praying here for his own mission. The next layer, if we could have it please, Dan, is Jesus is praying for the mission of his disciples. Now there were, as you know, 12 disciples, but if you have a look at verse... 12 in the prayer, you'll see that Jesus refers to Judas, the one who betrayed him. And so Jesus is praying for his disciples. He prays to God, verse 7, stating that the disciples have obeyed God. And again, we thought about that last week. A key part of who we are as followers of Jesus is to obey God. And that, verse 8, they believe that Jesus came from God. They are absolutely clear that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God incarnate. And Jesus, as he prays this, is well aware that his hour has come. He's about to go to the cross. And these disciples are going to be the ones left representing God in the world. They are the ones who will be a light to the world. Now, I want to help us understand a bit about this word, world, because it's confusing throughout John's Gospel. The word world appears 18 times in this prayer that we've just read, but it isn't in a good way. It's not referred to in a positive way here in this prayer. Have a look at verses 13 and 14. Jesus is praying about the world as a place that is opposed to God. But we need to hold that intention with other bits of scripture like John 3.16 where we read God so loved the world. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because God loves the world, but a lot of people in the world have turned from God. And so Jesus is saying in this prayer, be in the world, but not of the world. That well-known saying comes from this prayer. So God is saying, Jesus is praying for, for you and for his disciples, saying the most important place for you to be is out there, in your places of work and your school and your university and in, in amongst your family and your neighbours and those who do not know Jesus. 
but we are to be different to the world around us. To be holy as God is holy. To be set apart. Or as it says here in this prayer, verses 17 to 19, be sanctified. And that holiness comes as we spend time in God's presence. As we pray, as we worship, as we read God's word. As the Spirit of God dwells in us, we are made holy. And the more that that holiness grows in us, the closer we get to God, the more we have his heart for the world and we see the lost and we're heartbroken by the lost. And we hold those words of John 3.16 and I don't know about you, but I, I certainly felt this in my family and with people I meet on the streets. I don't want them to perish. I don't want them to be separated from God eternally and to face hell, which is what that eternal separation is. And my heart longs for them to come to know Jesus as their saviour. And we are propelled to tell people, compelled by love to tell people about Jesus. Jesus also here prays for protection for his disciples, verse 11 and 15, because he knows that the Christian life isn't easy. Is there anyone here who finds following Jesus and living the Christian life easy? If you put your hand up, we're all going to come and see you at the end of the service. It's not, is it? And I would never dress this up to you to say the Christian life is easy. It's hard. But through it, Jesus prays, we would know full joy, verse 13. So Jesus prays for his disciples. The next layer which we can see is this final layer, please, Dan, of Jesus praying for the church. Now he's praying for all believers, past, present and future. He's praying for you, he's praying for me, he's praying for the 2.4 billion followers of Jesus that walk this earth today. And he prays in verse 21, have a look at it. May they, that's the church, past, present and future, be in us, us being Father, Son and Holy Spirit, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Last week, we thought about the importance of remaining in Jesus. And he's praying here that we would remain in him, trust him, surrender our lives to him. Because as we do, we see his mission that the world will be reconciled to God and that we would be agents or ambassadors for Jesus, taking the light of Christ into the world, that we would live lives that are faithful and fruitful for Jesus. Now, part of this prayer that we've heard read from Steve is about unity. But I want to say this is unity for a purpose. Have a look at verse 23. It's unity so that the world would know that God sent Jesus as our saviour. Jesus is praying that we wouldn't spend our time arguing with each other, looking at the differences between one another, but rather we would unify ourselves around Christ to proclaim Christ 
so that the world would look to the church and say, we see in them the glory of God. You know, I've often said the church is the only organisation that exists for the benefit of its non-members. We are here for the world, to take the light of Christ out to the world. This is our, our reason for our existence and our mission as God's people. So I want to make this really practical now. We've looked at the prayer. What does this mean for you and me? Firstly, I want to remind you all, and I will keep saying this as long as I'm here at Greyfriars, you are all missionaries. Every single one of you. You all, we all have a mission field. We are missionaries at all times and in all places throughout our lives. And your primary mission field is wherever God puts you. School, work, university, on the bus, walking down the street. This is your mission field. And all of us are surrounded by people every week who don't know Jesus. Maybe just take a moment to think about one person who you're going to spend time with this week who does not know Jesus who's perhaps struggling in their life because they're lost, they're facing difficulty. Every single one of us knows a number of people who we can turn to and share our faith with. This is one of the reasons we admire the Queen's life. We respect her because here was a woman who gave her life to proclaiming Jesus with boldness. And so for us, we're to pray for these people around us who don't know Jesus, share our faith with them, love them in ways that they will see Christ in us. This is our primary mission field. But secondly, we have a, a missionary role together as the church. And uh, Bell was sharing with us a little earlier about Alpha. You know, we're still seeing people from the last Alpha coming to faith. People who, who are hearing the gospel and God is saving them through Christ. I mean, that's good news, isn't it? I mean, even in the last few weeks, David Aubrey Jones was saying a number of people have turned to Christ and been saved. And so all of us can think of people we could invite to Alpha. We've got 120 refugees meeting in the atrium every single Friday. They need the love of Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. Come and join us, even if it was just for 10 minutes. Friday afternoons, come and join us and speak and love those who are here in the atrium. We've got groups of adults with additional needs on Tuesday afternoons. We would love your help to stand with them and share the love of Christ with them. This atrium is open every single day now. Praise God. The church is open every day. We have people walking through the doors who are lost and they're looking for meaning in their lives. Come and volunteer in the atrium, serve coffees, help people as they look for, for books, for answers in their lives. We've got people in the church who are reaching out to the nursery next door, others who are reaching out to students. We support missionaries here in Reading and overseas, as we've heard today. 
And if you sense God saying, putting on your heart a new area of mission, come and tell me, because we want to get behind what God is wanting to do in his church. But if you find mission overwhelming, if you find all of this a bit intimidating, you are not alone. This is going to look different for each one of us. Some of you will be very gentle and loving and just love drawing alongside someone in the atrium and listening to them, sharing the love of Jesus. Others will want to get involved in leading Alpha and yet others will be out on the streets telling people about Jesus, stopping strangers. And all of these are valid forms of mission. This isn't the only time Jesus prays for us. In Romans 8, we read that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father, right now, and he is praying for you, right now. Jesus is praying for you. You know, I often say, the good news is Jesus is praying for you. The bad news is we're going to need his prayers. Because this mission takes us beyond our own ability. God's mission takes us beyond our place of comfort. God's mission takes us beyond ourselves. That is the whole point. It's a partnership with God. And our bit is to pray and proclaim Jesus. His bit is to save. And as we join with God in this great mission, we find fulfillment and joy and purpose in a way that we can never find it in this world. Jesus finishes his prayer in John 17 by saying, he is with us. Have a look at these words right at the end. It's verse 26. Jesus is with us always. We don't do this alone. We stand together as a church. We stand together with millions of other Christians around the world. And we stand together with Jesus. He is with you always. In you and with you as we reach out together. So I'm going to suggest we just have a, a moment of silence now. And I want to encourage you to pray and ask God, where is he calling you? Who is he calling you to? Because this is between you and the Lord. just take a moment to ask Lord the Lord which people he's calling you to, which areas of mission he's calling you to and let's be still and listen